Hey friends, welcome to the Do Big Things podcast. My name is Adam and I've got a great conversation for you guys today. Her name is Katie Clark Cole. I've known her for probably about 10 years or so and ever since I've had the pleasure of knowing her, she's been not only a a badass triathlete, but she's been a great role model when it comes to health and nutrition. She's not only been a great example to me, but to tons and tons of people along the way. She is 66 years old and still a competitive runner and triathlete. She's done six full Ironmans, as well as a long list of marathons, half marathons, and the list just goes on and on with her. I hope you enjoy our conversation. The sound quality, as usual, kind of sucks on these safer-at-home phone conversations, so my apologies there. There's always a little bit of an overlap between her voices, and it usually sounds like I'm really bad at having a conversation. So, sorry about that. Uh, However, there's a ton of good info and uh, good stuff in this conversation, so I really hope you enjoy it. With that, I present to you, Titty Clark Cole. Kitty. Adam. How are you? Oh my gosh, it's so nice to hear your voice. Um, a long time no talk. Long time. No, it has been a few years. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, good to hear you. Good to hear you too. I'm glad you reached out. How How are you? How's life? I'm good. Life is good. Um, staying healthy. Good. Still doing my thing. Not a whole lot's changed here. Um yeah, still out running the mountains, doing my thing. And uh, did you have races? Sign- were you signed up for any races that have been canceled? Nothing crazy. This year was kind of up in the air because uh, me and a couple of friends started a business where we're doing uh, and pacing ultra marathon runners. <clears throat> so, say someone gets into a big race in Colorado, like Leadville or something like that, and they don't have pacers or crew. Uh, they can call us, and we can come out, and we can get them to the finish line. Oh, so, wow! What a know. great, what a great thing to do! I can't imagine anybody better than having you on the team oh, and well, help, helping you to the finish, helping someone yeah. to the finish. Yeah, I know. We were really looking forward to it. So I put a whole lot of races on the calendar this year, just because I didn't know exactly how that was all going to shake out, and now it's shaking out kind of upside down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good description for things. Um, yeah. I have to tell you, I did my first ultra pacing for a friend in um, Florida in uh, was it January or February? <laughs> February. I'm drawing a blank. She did the hundred miler in Florida, oh, yeah. right. and I was one of the two pacers. Oh wow! How'd it go? Fabulous! It was yeah. so much fun. You know, it took me a week yeah. to recover, but um, <laughs> you know, it was it was great because uh, she and I have done other races along with uh, a, another friend. So the three of us have done a lot of trail running and trail races back in Wisconsin, and um, and I originally did um, her nutrition for her first uh, trail race and then ultra and i paced her at north face a couple years ago and so this way we were able to keep an eye on her nutrition as as far as pacers go and keep on top of her as far as her 
hydration and calories and she she crushed it i mean she absolutely crushed it she did a great job and it was a wonderful experience good good yeah well that's awesome so as a health coach did you do anything different as far as uh keeping her on point with diet and nutrition during the race or was it just kind of the standard gels and from aid stations very few gels i'm uh you know, because gels are just loaded, you know, they're just nothing but crappy sugar. sugar and, yeah. and you know how it is out there on the trails because of the way the pacing is, you're not out there hammering, um, unless maybe you're Zach Bitter and then that's something different. But <laughs> I have to tell you, I was so excited yesterday. He uh, he saw that I retweeted something and he 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 liked my retweet. So that just, <laughs> Adam, it just made my day. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, that guy's a crusher. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, as far as, uh, as uh, my friend Jeannie is her name, um, I mean, we pretty much have it calculated on what she uh, needed on calories per hour. And we started out with a little bit more um, uh, uh, liquid or liquid nutrition primarily. And she does use Generation U can. And she did have gels. We had a lot of stuff because, as you know, sometimes you can train with something and it goes down very well and works. And then you get to race day, you try, you take your first taste of it and just say, I can't do it. I can't, I can't eat that. So we had a lot of different things in the fold. And and initially she was not taking in enough calories. She wasn't drinking enough. So we really pushed on that. I mean, literally, we had a spreadsheet. <laughs> and be, because nice. the race was three loops, every time she came okay. in from a loop, I could I could see what she had as uh, water, what she had consumed yeah. as far as calories, and what she had yeah. taken on electrolytes. And okay. so we use primarily salt stick. That's my one of my my first go to. Um, mm-hmm. So we just adapted as the day and, and night went on. She started in on solid food. I'm wanting to say maybe at about 30 miles, started eating some little bit more solid food because as we were going into the night, you know, there was going to be more walking perhaps than, than actual running. And it worked out really well, but I mean, it got really scientific as far as keeping on top of it, tracking those calories, when something didn't taste good, then usually had two or three alternatives to offer before she went out on the next loop. Like, do you think you can eat this? Um, or I want you to eat so much of this. I didn't really suggest it. I more told her, which probably doesn't surprise yep. you. Um, so I, I want yep. you to, to eat this. And if you can't eat this, then I want you to eat this. And so we were able to do that. And she was very open to it. Um, she knew what was ahead of her because she had done a couple 50 milers and um, knew how important nutrition was. So, and it was unfortunate because um, there, it got to be a hot day and there were so many people that wound up dropping out of the race be, because mm. of nutrition issues. I mean, you could tell, you know, that they, they came prepared to run and they looked like they were fit and ready to go, but they would get sick. One guy didn't even have electrolytes with him, which boggles my mind. Um, 
and mm-hmm. and didn't have a nutrition plan. It was like, well, I'm just going to drink Gatorade or I'm just going to take gels or whatever. But you know how it is. You get started and you forget, you know, yeah. how, how long ago was it when I took a gel or how long ago was it? You know, it's just like oh. on a long bike ride, same thing. You If you don't have a regular time schedule for taking in nutrition, it's pretty easy to get behind the eight ball. Yeah. Yeah. No, back when I was kind of a newbie, I'd set my watch so that every 30 minutes I was taking something in because otherwise I would just totally yeah. forget. Yeah. You know, I'd have my crew, my pacers with me out in the middle of the night and my watch alarm goes off and they're like, yeah. again. And, you know, it seems like that 30 minutes keeps coming and coming. It's like, it seems like 15 minutes, but you know, after a while you're kind of forcing food down, but um, yeah, it's important. I do the same thing when I'm, pacing people you know i really try and talk them into you know you don't feel like eating especially if it's a really hot day you know it's like come on just give me two bites out of this thing just choke it down and we'll just keep moving just give me those two bites absolutely and it's you know for all my endurance athletes that i work with that is the strategy that i have employed from day one is to set your watch so it either beeps or it vibrates so you don't lose track of taking in your nutrition and, you know, um, and, and it works if you, if you do it and you train that way, um, you've discovered it works. Yeah. Yeah. I probably learned it from you actually. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Are you on the East coast now? I am. I am living in Wilmington, North Carolina. Ah, so what brought that up? I didn't even know that until, uh, Today, when I was poking around on your um, Facebook. Well, you know, the winters in Madison, and as an aside, I mean, I was born in Madison. Madison, Wisconsin is my home. Um, and, but it's just gotten to the point that the winters are a little bit warmer. So we don't have the kind of snow we used to have. So if you like to do cross country skiing or snowshoeing or things like that, there's just not that much of it anymore. There's a lot of freezing rain and ice. And um, in the spring, the last two, three years, spring has been like non-existent and pretty pretty cloudy. And and I was talking about leaving. I have extended family there. But my daughter lives in Australia. And my son has lived mm-hmm. here in Wilmington for years because he was posted yeah. to Camp Lejeune which is, you know, 40 minutes away from Wilmington, and he elected to live here. So I have been here visiting a number of times over the years and really liked it a lot. I mean, you can be in the mountains um, in Asheville and that whole area and with beautiful hiking and the Appalachian Trail in literally four and a half to five Mm -hmm. hours. And I'm 15 minutes from the ocean. So I just last, I was going to do it two years ago, but I broke my leg in a race. So pretty impossible to move when you're on crutches. And, um, (laughs) and so what happened last year, I moved actually in uh, June. So it's been just about a year. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. uh, You know, you just, and it may have been the same thing for you, although I know Colorado really and the mountains really, you know, they spoke to you and you wanted to move from Wisconsin and get out to the mountains. But, you know, you just get to the point where one day you think, why am I not doing this? 
Can you do yeah. it? And that was, you know, that was my realization. And so I did it. Cool. And most of the coaching you're doing is online, right? Yeah, I've been online coaching for a long time. Um, In Madison, because of the number of athletes in that, especially that southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois area, I had athletes that preferred the face-to-face contact, and that was fine. And I, you know, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It certainly was, was great connecting with people that way. But I've always had... Um, athletes that I've coached and nutrition clients that I've worked with all over the country, a couple in Australia, so international. And, um, and now, of course, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to take their, their coaching business online because who knows how much the face-to-face is going to work moving forward. Yep, yep, wow. Do you know how many coaches you're, or how many clients you have right now? How many people you're coaching? Um, as far as endurance athletes, I never coach more than 15. And right now, some of the races that have been canceled, I have 12, 11, 11. Okay. I, one decided what? to take a break with um, uh, Des Moines 70.3 getting postponed to October. And, and so I've been holding firm at least right now, as it goes forward with more at, with more races that will be canceled, who knows what will happen. And I mean, I totally understand the reality of, of our current situation, you know, financial and, and even just emotional, because if you don't have that goal out there for some people, it's hard to enthusiasm to do workouts, you know, make that, make that training peaks block green, if you will. Um, Nutrition clients um, right now, because people are in different phases of, of what they need. I don't have any race clients um, right now, which is perfectly understandable, but I do have a handful of nutrition clients that, you know, have reached out to me and said, all right, I've not been eating so well during shelter in place and staying at home. I need to dial this in because I want to start training again, but I want to work on my nutrition first. So that's been um, a joy for me. On on, po- on folks that have come to me because they're very motivated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you found uh, a lot of people are are just kind of laying off right now, or have you found more people are ramping up their training? Because you know, in Boulder, it's just crazy. You go out on the trails and it's nuts. It's busier than it's ever been before. And you're seeing people you've never seen before, which is fantastic. I mean, the trails are a little congested, but, and I live on a bit kind of a busy corner too, by um, uh, mm-hmm. CU campus and people running and biking by just more than ever. And, you know, it's fantastic, but um, what's been your well, experience? For my recommendation for my athletes is that um, for those that, are training for the full distance Ironman. We are still going with their training program until we know their race is canceled or postponed. And they're, fi- they're fine with that. Okay. Focus of it, again, you know, we're type A personalities, us athletes. And having, you know, having that mm-hmm. focus is, um, helps us with a lot of the uncertainty of what's going on around us, I believe. And, um, 
I have, uh, I have one athlete who is a nurse at the VA hospital in Milwaukee. And she is struggling completing many of her workouts, which is understandable, but she wants them there so she can see them. And every day it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to get off work and I'm going to do this. And many days she does, but there are days that she doesn't. So I don't have anybody that I'm ramping up right now. And I personally don't recommend it because to do long workouts and hard workouts, our immune system suffers from that. There's some good research out there and we can handle that when we're gearing up for that last big push for a race or our last couple of builds for a big race. But if we don't have the race, but we're still pushing hard, then does that make us more susceptible to the virus? And I worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, to maintain a level of fitness for athletes that race regularly to ramp things back up. If a, if a race pops on the schedule or all of a sudden Ironman says, whoops, okay, this race is a go. We've got the approval. We know how we're going to do it and we're not canceling it. Then for athletes that are doing that race, we, I can bring them up to, you know, race ready and, and they'll be good. They'll be good to go. But you know, right now with my folks, I'm focusing really strongly on nutrition. I want to know what they're doing. You know, it's, it's, and I found myself falling into the Zoom happy hours. It's been kind of easy to maybe sit back and have um, a little bit more wine than what you normally would have or, or snacking because you're in the house all day. So I'm connecting with, with my people and want to know how they're, how they're doing as far as their nutrition goes. And, you know, as this started in March, the month of April, um, I said to everybody, you know, let's just see how this goes in April. I want you to be gentle with yourself. Let's figure out and navigate what your new normal is until things get opened back up or races come back on the schedule. And for many of them now, May 1st, um, we've made a decision that we're going to do more focused training and, um, you know, maybe ramp things up a little bit. But I mean, it's still nothing like long, long distance efforts. It's more short, shorter efforts with some high intensity. So it keeps them sharp. Yeah. Okay. Um, how has, I'm, I'm kind of out of the, the loop with triathlon and, and Ironman. How are they handling their cancellations? Is it race by race? It is. Or- it's race by race. And they are generally um, announcing what's going to happen to approximately 45 days to 50. Some have been a little bit less time, but that's about the time frame ahead of the race. So... Uh, this week, last week, they announced that Des Moines 70.3, which was the first year for that race, which was June 21st. Um, last week, they announced that that race was not canceled, but postponed. And then uh, this week, I believe it was Coeur 70.3. So they're doing it in a rolling fashion. And... Um, so they're offering options 
so I was registered for Des Moines. It, yeah, no, everything. The only races. race I've gotten in so far this year was I, I did get in the Myrtle Beach uh, half marathon, which literally was one week before everything started to get shut down. So I'm, I'm thankful that I got that in. It was fun being on a race course. But, but since then, every race I've cool. been scheduled for some local races, a duathlon, a time trial series, a sprint, an Olympic. Um, that's been canceled. And then my first half, no, I was going to uh, uh, Ironman Texas 70.3 in Galveston. I was the swimmer and the runner on a relay team. That got canceled. And now Des Moines, which was I was going to do the race, got canceled. So literally, I mean, I, I, I give Ironman a lot of credit because they're trying to reschedule a lot of the races, but they're stacking them all in the fall. And, and that's getting pretty right. crazy because I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen with all these races in the, the fall and late fall. So Des Moines, as an example, was rescheduled to October 4th. And I'm thinking... I don't really want to swim in Des Moines in October. That's going to be pretty cold. <laughs> so that was one option. But then they offered, like, I think it was six different races that you could transfer into. Or you could just oh, flat cool. out say, no, I don't want to do any of that. I'm going to defer to 2021 and race Des Moines 70, 73, and 7.3 in 2021, which is what I elected to do. Yeah. Okay. You know, I appreciate that a great deal. I know that Ironman's working hard to try to figure it out. And it's, they're really at the mercy of local communities because the communities are saying, no, we, we, can't have an endurance event with 3,000 athletes. How do we social distance? How do we do it? Um, so um, I'll tell you, since moving here and, and meeting new people and new friends in, in the uh, uh, triathlon community here in Wilmington, the 70.3 that's here is October 17th. And I'm one of the captains. I volunteered to, to be one of the captains. And we've had our first mm-hmm. captain's meeting. And we're moving forward on planning for the race. So until we hear differently, we're trying to come up with strategies and work with Ironman on how we can make this race happen. I'm hopeful that by October it can happen. But, you know, who, who knows? Yeah. yeah, two of the biggest things point. are, um, of course, Kona in October in Hawaii. And, uh, there's a big question mark on whether that can happen because none of the races for people to qualify. Ha- the only Ironman that's happened this year was Ironman New Zealand oh, yeah. in March. So people qualified last year okay. and people qualified at Ironman New Zealand. So they upped the legacy number of athletes for this race, but there's, um, for that race, Ironman's going to have to make a decision early on what's going to happen simply because of the logistics of people coming from all over the world. So they announced that by the end of May, 
they're going to let people know what their plans are for Kona. And right now, what we're hearing is that there will be two Konas next year. There'll be a Kona in February for for this year's Kona, oh, wow. the October Kona. And then everybody that qualifies, there will be a Kona in October of 2021, which would be kind of exciting. And it's not the first time. There's been another time that there were two Konas in one year. And then along with that, the 70.3 World Championship is in New Zealand, and that is scheduled Thanksgiving weekend in November. And um, I highly doubt New Zealand's going to let people in for that race. So they also said they said mm-hmm. that they were also going to let us know the end of May because I qualified for that race, and I did. I I uh, oh, did. I have for the last three years actually. One, two, oh, four. Sorry, I did for four. Nice. And I'll be I'll be disappointed. Thank you. Yeah. I'll be disappointed because with my daughter in Australia, you know, I already had plans for a family vacation and my son would go along with and be my Sherpa and take care of me. And then, you know, we'd have a, a, just a fabulous family vacation. So it might just get moved out maybe to February. Also, I'm not sure. I have no idea what they're going to do. I, that one, I'm not even going to speculate on, but I hope it happens. I really hope it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, it's a strange time. Um, some days, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. You get up and it's like, oh, man, I'm going to have a great day today and this is going to be awesome. And, you know, middle of the day, <laughs> I look around it's like I haven't accomplished a thing today. Oh, my goodness. What what have I been doing? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll just wait and see. It's kind of the same thing with uh, the ultra races around here. Like they're all kind of getting stacked up in September and October at this point. And, you know, if all the races are in the fall, you know, it's going to be tough for people who usually are doing multiple races throughout the year and people who come to crew and pace at these things, you know, all of a sudden we're pacing at, or pacing on these races that are just a couple weekends apart yeah. on opposite sides of the country and it's it's kind of crazy and have any really of the ultras uh, out there been canceled outright or are they trying to reschedule all of them so far um mm-hmm. like the big ones like hard rock and san, and san juan solstice 50 those have been canceled i'm pretty sure because uh, with the snow situation and, and they're more like alpine races, you know, if you can't really push them back to the fall yeah. because we don't know what the weather's going to be like up there. And it's probably going to be dangerous mm-hmm. to be sending people out there in September and October. Um, Leadville, I don't think they've made a decision yet. So, um, yeah, it's all kind of race by race. But And then the smaller races, a lot of the 50 yeah. miles and 50Ks have been pushed back to the fall. And a lot of those have options as well. You know, you can defer till, till next year if you, if you choose to. Um, so all the race directors that I'm in contact with have, have tried to be as accommodating as they can and, and try to be helpful. But, you know, a lot of them are really scraping around trying to figure out how they're going to make a living because yeah, this is that's what scary. they their whole life I'm, I'm really concerned that some of the local race organizers will go out of business. And, and 
I mean, that just is heartbreaking because as you say, this has been their passion and their soul for so long in putting on, you know, great events for us athletes. And, um, you know, if they can't make it and have to take a different job and just can't keep it going, that's going to be devastating. That's a shame. Yeah. One thing the ultras have been doing that I imagine triathlons can't really do is they've been putting on these virtual races, which I'm sure you've heard of. And, you know, they're, it's a, it's a cheaper price. You can go out and you can kind of do these things on your own. Um, I did one a few weeks back and it was a six hour virtual race. So you just go out and you do the six hours on your own and then you send in your your little Strava clip as far as your time mm-hmm. and your route and everything to prove you actually did it. And, you know, it's fun. It's, it's not a race. You're not able to go out and, and do the social thing, which is, you know, what I like about races because most of my training is by myself. So when I race, it's kind of like a celebration of, of all the training the culmination of everything coming together. So it's not quite the same, but you know, a lot of people have been getting into the, the virtual thing, but it's kind of crazy too. You got people running. Oh, I know. You know Isn't it? A thousand laps I, I around see, their backyard. And... I see some of the, the folks that have done that, <laughs> and it, you know, it boggles the mind. I mean, it reminds me of running on the deck of a ship for 422 laps. <laughs> so I should, I'm not going to laugh at them for sure. <laughs> but I mean, that takes a lot of mental fortitude. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not my thing, really. But thankfully, well, our trails are still open around here. So well, our state um, parks I'm, open up Friday night at five o'clock. So that's a really good thing to get back out there. But um, going back to the to the cool. virtual racing, um, definitely triathlon Ironman has embraced it. They've been having weekly weekly virtual races yeah. of different distances, and that's been fun for athletes to mm-hmm. pop onto. Um, and, um, no swimming, of course. So it's basically a duathlon run, bike, run. And, um, and I've done some, there've been, uh, some half marathons that I signed up for that turned into virtual. I've done a couple of five K's and 10 K's one. I did, you know, I mean, if it's a fundraiser, because God knows I don't need any more shirts. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> I have a, I'm having trouble getting rid of all the shirts that I have. And, you know, you just can't part with some of them. But I tell you, a fun thing, um, I'm on the Big Sexy Racing team. And a few few weeks ago, we organized three yeah. teams. And it wasn't supposed to be a race, but to have fun. But of course, we're type A athletes. So of course, it turned into a race. But we did 12 person relays and we did the hood to coast relay virtually. It was so much fun. So with 12 athletes, you know, it would have been six per van. Um, Everybody had three legs to do. And, um, uh, you know, some people had to get creative. Like I don't have a treadmill in my house here in Wilmington. So I had to run outside and, you know, in the middle of the night. And I don't like running in the dark in the night, in the daytime, but I did it. And uh, it wound up being really fun and they had no issues or no problems. But, you know, so something like that, you know, talking about the camaraderie and being able to be with friends and celebrate after the race, which is a large part of why we do what we do. Um, 
you know, everybody was basically up the whole time for the most part, except for cat naps. I was the captain of Team Bad Kitty and, uh, you know, so <laughs> had to keep track of who was finishing and who was passing off the baton. And we wound up with an injured runner. So we had to pick up the slack from um, our runner who, who couldn't run anymore. He, he came up lame, basically. So, you know, just like the kinds of things you do when you do a relay. And it was so much fun. It was very engaging. It was tiring as all got out. But it was something different to do. And now we're talking about doing it as a bike relay, like the Ram course to ride across America. Um, yeah, just for something dif- different to do. Oh, wow. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to remember... So way back in the day, I think this was like a decade ago now, I think I met you at oh, a Pilates right. class you were that's teaching. That's right. That is right. I was, teach, I was teaching right. Matt Pilates <laughs> classes at so, uh, Mercy Mall in Janesville. And, and you came in and yes. you just yep. fascinated me because every time you came in, you looked like you were just beat up, like just beat the pulp because <laughs> you were doing your cage fighting, right? <laughs> yes that's why i was there i wanted to build up my core strength because i was doing a mm-hmm. lot of jujitsu and i was fighting in the cave once in a while <laughs> and i probably was beat to a pulp just about every class and then eventually i remember I, I think i only made it to a few classes and then eventually i ended up breaking a rib and i ended up coming in and flagging you down in the parking lot and i was like i don't uh-huh. think i'm gonna be at any more of your classes oh, I busted a couple oh my ribs. goodness that's right i had completely <laughs> forgotten about yeah. that i was thinking about um all season runner in the running store yeah when we yeah, when we, we work together but, at all season runner. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny i um i have my dog my golden retriever and i know you've seen pictures of her Blossom. Well, I have my son's two dogs. Blossom, yeah. uh, I have a short leg Jack Russell uh, named Grifter, who's a bit of a little terrorist. And then he got a uh, French bulldog puppy who's just five months old. And my son is on a job. I'd call it a deployment, but he's not active duty anymore. But he is traveling basically for the Department of Defense and he's working on the project at uh, decontaminate N95 masks. So super proud of what he's doing. And he, uh-huh. pardon? Like a yeah, basically. Um, they, like a contractor the, job? the couple that, that came up with the technology literally over their dinner table, uh, they live in Columbus, Ohio. Great idea, noodling and came up, but they didn't have the plans of how to put it together and implement it and the strategies. So, you know, who you who do you call in when you need to have somebody develop standard operating procedures and uh, training strategies? Well, how about some retired special forces Marines? So that's exactly what they did. And, you know, he's working the mission and um, thriving and I've got the dogs and to take care of them. But a couple of weeks ago I was walking them and the puppy took my legs out from underneath me and I went down hard and I broke a rib because yeah, I landed so hard on my side. I'm just laying in the road. Oh, really? You know, it's kind of thing like when you fall off your bike cause you forgot to unclip, oh. you know, people come over. You're right. Yeah, I'm fine. Nothing to see here. Just 
go away. <laughs> so I'm, I'm recovering from that, but I do Pilates um, here at home. Same kind of thing that I did when you and I met. And um, it's just to the point now where I can pretty much do all my movements because initially I couldn't do anything. It hurt so bad. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, so we <laughs> met in, met there and then, um, and then you started working at the store and that was great fun. And oh my gosh, that store was, just did so many things for the endurance community in Janesville. It was a shame when it closed. But do you know that there's a new store now? Uh, it's called Velocity Multisport. No, Jason I didn't know that. Jorgensen, and I'm blanking on the man's name, the bike guy, but he was um, up in Madison for years, so he's a really well-known um, biker and knows his bike mechanics and fitting. And okay. so they opened up in Janesville again. Timing wasn't great, but there's such a huge multi-sport community from ultra runners to runners to triathletes. And um, I have no doubt that the store will be successful. Yeah, I was excited to see that it, that it opened oh, up. Very cool. Cool. Well, take us back a little bit, if you don't mind. I, I don't know that I've really ever heard um, your, your full story from the beginning and like um, where you grew up and eventually how you got into running and triathlon. And I know you briefly <laughs> mentioned running 440 laps around a ship yeah, in yeah, that was... Antarctica. Uh, marathon you did right yeah but, well um, thank you no, for asking i'd like to yeah, hear I, uh, um, the kitty clark cole story i wasn't an athlete when i was young i'm old enough that when i was in high school there were absolutely no girls sports teams at all i asked to run on the boys track team and was told no i couldn't do it because mm -hmm. i was a girl I'm like well I, th I think that may have been the first time I dropped an F-bomb. I'm not sure, but it might it might have been the first time. <laughs> and many have been dropped since. <laughs> so, you know, I went to um, went to school in Madison, um, got degrees in nutrition and dietetics from the University of Wisconsin, started my life as a dietitian working in public health nutrition, and... Um, uh, so nutrition has always been a part of my life. Um, I think I, I, I gravitated towards nutrition and dietetics. Simply, I remember at age five, my grandmother teaching me how to cook, how to garden, how to can. And it just seems so magical and so wonderful that I've always been enthralled by everything food and then learning about the nutrition aspect of food and how important it is. And certainly now we know that our unhealthy lifestyles and poor diets is a risk factor for getting coronavirus. So um, that's how I started along that path, worked in, in, um, in public health nutrition in Madison, Wisconsin, and did go and work in the pharmaceutical industry for a while. So that sent me to Michigan. I lived in Michigan for a period of time, but knew that I would go back home to Madison. I was not destined to live in Michigan. Um, but that's where I, I started running. And it wasn't anything organized. I would just run here and there, maybe do a 5K. 
And um, my older brother, who was 11 years older than me, he was a marathoner way back before the second running boom, you know, the days of Jim Fix. And he was a hard charger. He ra- When he raced, he raced to win. And, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of marathons around in those mm. days. And, and uh, he wanted me to train and run a marathon with him. And I told him I thought he was an idiot. <laughs> um, I, I, I still regret. It's like, you're an idiot. And, <laughs> and, you know, come run this 5K with me. And he would turn up his nose. Like, <laughs> I can't be bothered with a 5K. And, um, you know, so that banter went back and forth. Um, unfortunately, my brother died running in a race. He died in the Arboretum in Madison. And it was a case of sudden death. And I instinctively knew it had to do with his blood chemistry being off because there was no sport nutrition at that time. This is 1985, Adam. Um, But he had the flu that week and he was running his second 10K of the day, which was not unheard of for him. I mean, he was an ultra guy. He would have been an ultra guy. He would have been an Iron Man. I have no doubt because that was his personality. But he collapsed. And I think that he just had um, some electrolyte imbalance because of being sick that week. And they just couldn't. I mean, he's across the street from St. Mary's Hospital and they couldn't bring him back. So unfortunately, he died. And at the time of his death, I just made a promise to him and said, before all is said and done, I will train, I will race and run one marathon to honor your passion and honor your memory because that was our banter and I had never done it. And, and one of my huge regrets the rest of my adult life is that we never ran a race together. Yeah, so, you know, I mean... Kids, um, job changes, uh, life changes. Uh, I was looking at turning 45, and I thought, you know, this isn't going to get any easier, and I need to make good on my promise. So I bought Jeff Galloway's book, The Run-Walk Strategy. I didn't know much about training for marathons at that point. Didn't know a whole lot about nutrition at that point for an endurance event simply because there was no science to support it other than, you know, Gatorade coming out and could, couldn't do Gatorade. That never, ever worked well for me. But um, so I used the Galloway method and I trained and I ran Marie Corps Marathon 1998 as, as my one marathon. And, you okay. know, it's a slippery slope because literally – I crossed that finish line and it was the biggest high of my life. And, and remember I went to school in Madison in the seventies, so I know highs. And (laughs) so literally within, within a month of crossing that finish line, I was signed up for my second marathon. So that's what started me down the path. And, um, for the running career, all distances and, um, I haven't gone above a 50K. I don't know that I want to, but again, I'm never going to say never because I like to run and I love the trails and I haven't lost that passion. But I have now 
completed 18 standalone marathons, and that does include running a marathon on all seven continents. And um, I just view that every race that I run, wow. whether it's a triathlon or a running race, but it's, a, it's an homage to my brother who, you know, as a younger girl, he was my big brother, my hero. He, you know, watched out for me and took care of me when I got bullied and, um, and all those kinds of things. He just was always there. So um, it, it's a connection that I feel when I run and it, it, it brings me comfort and it brings me peace. So like many single sport athletes, we get injured because we're single sport athletes. And I suffered a stress fracture. And the doctor said, you can lift weights as long as you're seated and someone hands you the weights or you can swim. And I, I took a diving class and got certified mm. as a diver as a senior in college, but I can't, I couldn't say that I was a swimmer. You know, you don't, ha you don't have to be a swimmer to be a diver. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to learn sure. to swim. And so I was in Janesville literally and um, joined a group that was swimming. Darren Rutherford was swimming, Allison Van Abel. And, um, and then I met this crazy woman, Brenda Slatter. And, you know, I'm learning how to swim. And, <laughs> and this crazy Brenda says, um, hey, do you want to do a triathlon? Oh, okay. And so we did, I did my first sprint triathlon, which was the um, Danskin Triathlon in Pleasant Prairie. So it was all women. And it was, you know, they had swim angels in the water. So if you freaked out in the water, there were people to help you. It was a great first experience. Got that under my belt, you know, like, hey, I'm a triathlete, hubba hubba. And, and Brenda, the enabler, says, hey, let's do this try. You want to do this triathlon? Right. It's just a little bit longer, but it's really okay. It was an Olympic. I'm like, okay, um, you know, a little bit more challenging because <laughs> my training was, you know, not great, kind of haphazard. But it was fun. You know, it was great fun. And meeting people. And then she said, um, hey, you want to do a half Ironman? And I was like, okay, what's a half Ironman? Had to look that one up. And, um, and we did the Spirit of Racine, which went on to become Ironman 70.3 Racine and has, has now gone away. But it was the Spirit of Racine did that, swam in Lake okay. Michigan, thought I was going to die, literally. I Oh my God, cold and waves. And, and I still was not what you would call a swimmer. And then of yep. course the big question came, Hey, do you want to do Ironman? Okay. Well, at that point I had drank the Kool-Aid. So anything that Brenda asked me to do, I was yeah. going to do. And, um, and literally <laughs> that went on for years and uh, did all distance triathlon. And, you know, you talk about the camaraderie and, the racing being so much a part of your life because of meeting up with friends and the fun. I mean, I call, I refer to my races, especially ones I get to travel distance to as my racecations, because I always, I go to them, I race, and then I have a little vacation. So it's a way for me to see a new area. You know, I've been able to travel the world, my uh, 70.3 Ironman world championships, I've been to South Africa. I've been to Nice, France, and hopefully I'll get to uh, Taupo, New Zealand 
to be able to race. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. And, you know, I grew up in Red, I, I was born in Madison. My parents moved to Red Granite, in middle of the state, just west of Oshkosh when I was um, six years old. So I, I marvel at myself many times, like, you know, I'm just a girl from Red Granite, Wisconsin. Boy, look at all the fun things I've been able to do. You know, and it was just a natural progression, I think, to use my nutrition and dietetic background as sport nutrition became a thing where we, we started to study what does the body need when a person is doing a marathon or even a half marathon, but any kind of endurance event, you know, a triathlon. And so I started going to seminars, trying to do as much training as I possibly could to learn about this infant science. And, and it hasn't stopped. I mean, it's the field of sport nutrition has grown exponentially ever since it, it first started. So it just seemed like a natural progression for me to work with athletes to help them, number one, be successful by changing their daily eating habits and eating healthy. And we can talk about that if you want. But then the separate issue of how do I fuel myself when I'm training and when I'm racing. And, you know, it gives me a lot of joy to know that I've been able to accompany people um, in their journey in a life's goal, whether it's a half Ironman or a marathon or an Ironman or an ultra, you know, that I've been able to, to share that joy and share that journey and help them cross the finish line. Yeah. Well, Definitely. I, I believe that I have well, you've you helped know, a lot provided of over the years. Um, you know. me with, with such a sense of personal satisfaction, uh, People that, uh, fellow dietitians of which they're all, they were all women at that point, have pretty much retired that I went to school with. And, um, you know, some of them tease me about why are you still working? What are you doing? And my pat answer is it's like, I can't stop. There's just, <laughs> especially in the, you know, daily nutrition on how, people eat and how unhealthy so many people are as a result of poor food choices. I feel like it can stop. It still fuels me, um, fuels my passion, if you will. When it doesn't, then I'll stop. But I'm having a great time and I see no reason to stop at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Why not? Good for you. Well. Uh, if I remember right, you had a bucket list going for a while. Like I remember you been climbing Kilimanjaro, well, and, I'm, and I'm I feel like you were just doing a bunch of stuff and going it. crazy. Yeah, for I'd a like to climb there. more of the Seven Sisters. Uh, I'm talking with a girlfriend about going to Everest Base <laughs> Camp. I don't, I don't know that I have climb, climbing Everest in me, uh, especially these last couple oh, wow. years where we've looked at the photos of literally people dying because of traffic jams because of the number of people that are just literally stuck standing in place on the mountain. Um, I mean, getting to base camp is a feat in and of itself. It's higher than Kilimanjaro. I did okay climbing Kilimanjaro. It was hard, but I did okay. Um, but getting to Everest base camp, I think would be a, in my mind, that would be a huge accomplishment if, um, if I'm able to handle the altitude, but 
but I'd like to climb some of the other seven sisters. Absolutely. No question. And I also want to um, start attacking some 14ers in Colorado. Yep. Okay. Well, you took me to the top of Green Mountain and that was way fun. Well, come on out. I'd love to take you out. (laughs) Sliding down the ice on our butts on the way down. Yeah, that was a blast. In the dark. (laughs) I was out in the dark, but I wasn't afraid. In the dark. I was with you. Um, yeah yeah that was great but i yeah um, you know i've got you know, so many here. people that live in in <laughs> boulder and that that generally colorado area around you that um that i'm out there fairly frequently i mean i was out there when i saw you last uh, finishing my training for ironman boulder two years ago um and getting acclimated to the altitude and i love I, I, I just love mm-hmm. it out there. If it wasn't further away from my son when I moved from Madison, I definitely would have moved to the Boulder area, but I wanted to be closer to him. But I sure I sure love visiting. And uh, I've got another good friend who's going to be retiring out there probably in the next year and building. And I already said you got to have the kitty room set up, right? For me, she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we will have your room ready for you. So I'll, so I'll be able to come out. But, yeah, getting, you know, getting, getting out there, especially if I decide to um, uh, approach and climb some, some of the Seven Sisters, I have to come out to Boulder because that's where I can get out there to altitude and train and properly prepare. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, this is a good place for it. You know, there's 57 fourteeners, and yeah, the trails just go on. Forever. And you've got and only you five left to finish life. all of the fourteeners, correct? You didn't, you didn't touch it all. That's right. Yeah, and those five have been hanging over my head for for quite a while. You know, I. When I moved out here, I thought that I would probably tackle those right away. And then I just got into these other projects and, um, you know, I, I was uh, stuck on Nolan's 14 for a couple summers where yeah. you link up 14, 14ers all in one shot in under 60 hours. And, you know, you're not really going up and down the trails. Uh, you can, you can, um, you can summit these things pretty much any any way you want and you know you're trying to pick the fastest routes which aren't necessarily the safest routes you're going up and down avalanche chutes and scree gullies and you know so we spent a couple of whole summers out there scouting that whole area out and that project is still kind of hanging over my head and we got a couple trips planned this summer uh going out there and i have a buddy that's going to go for it again this year and yeah you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what my plans are with that, but I'll definitely be out there helping him. And then the weekend of July 4th, we're going to go out and do okay. a seven peak attempt in, in preparation for his goal of Nolan's 14. So, yeah. And again, you know, just great <laughs> weekends with great friends out in the woods no. in the middle of the night, just Absolutely. doing crazy stuff. Absolutely. That, just, you know, I mean, it's you know, just, you never forget that it, stuff. It, it feeds our soul. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I felt like the mountains were really good. calling I'm glad me. Glad to know and, that. Um, and yeah, and are you are you eating good? Living living it up every day. Okay. Yeah. 
for the most part yeah um yeah for the most part i still kind of have a sweet tooth but um i'm pretty healthy for the most part i'm sure i could take some advice from you um somewhere in there but um the last time i talked to you you were eating I don't think it was well, 100% the, keto, but the, you were kind of shying away from carbs. I'm curious to know how I that's evolved. For everybody. And, you know, of course we know that, that nutrition's N equal one. You know, we're all different. So there's tweaking involved. But I believe in the concept of metabolic efficiency. And um, so what that is in a nutshell is that you're eating and maintain stable blood sugar levels. Because what happens then is your body taps into your fat reserves and uses fat for energy. So you're training your body to use fat for energy, which is a healthy state. It, it, it creates healthy metrics in our body, whether it's lipid levels, um, uh, heart disease, even hor- healthy hormone levels. But, um, but for athletes, it's especially beneficial to eat that way because if your body is fat adapted you know you can go out and do a training and not have to consume crappy sugar or sport nutrition products it's just you know what what's the purpose of the workout how long are you going to be out there you know those things determine uh, for me you know at what point do I have to supplement with calories I always take water I always take electrolytes but the calorie equation you know, your success as an athlete is determined primarily how you eat on a daily basis, not what you take when you're out there on your training or ultimately in your race. So those concepts of metabolic efficiency, you can carry it to the extreme. If you take it to the extreme, then you're in ketosis. If you go the other way, if you think of it on a continuum, if you go to the left on the continuum, then you approach what we would call the standard American diet, which is crappy carbs processed food, unhealthy fats. And those are the, that's the situation that's, you know, has us pretty much leading the world in obesity levels, type two diabetes levels and hypertension. So that's, that's been my mission to try to get people to change their daily nutrition. And it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, no, it's not pretty easy. I'm going to say it is easy. I mean, when I, t- I tell people, when you sit down to eat, if I was sitting on your shoulder, the first question I'm going to ask you is, where's your protein? And so you need to have a protein source. I'm not talking about eating tons of protein, but you got to have protein. Mm-hmm. And then second is healthy fats. So we've all been raised for so many years that we have to avoid fat because fat's not healthy and fat will make you fat. Well, Bad fats are unhealthy, but good fats are healthy, and our body needs them on a daily basis. And then what I call fiber, which is basically you get your carbohydrates from vegetables. So people talk about not eating any carbohydrates, which I think is totally unhealthy and and I think unrealistic, excuse me, because our body needs the nutrition from vegetables, needs the fiber for a healthy gut biome. Limited fruit, because fruit will raise your blood sugar levels. But if you learn how to pair it, then with fat and protein, then you're not going to have blood sugar spikes. And then limited carbohydrates, other carbohydrates, to fuel your body's needs for your training and racing. 
So those carbohydrates, my number one is a sweet potato. I, I love sweet potatoes and I think they're just wonderful because they're packed with nutrition. So we can use sweet potato or quinoa primarily um, if you've got big training coming up, if you've got racing coming up. So those are the kinds of things that we tweak. But it doesn't have to be complicated. But, um, but it does mean literally losing white bread and cereal and pastas and great, most grains because what they do is they spike your blood sugar and then you have an insulin response which causes inflammation in the body and that's what causes disease. So, I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying, but not that much. It, it's not that difficult, but it's just finding what works for you as an individual and what your needs are based on, like in your case, training and racing but health needs also. What are your metrics? Do you have to monitor something because of a specific health need or something like that? So that's I've I've been I've been following the tenets of um, of metabolic efficiency for a number of years now, and I know that it works. I mean, it works for me, you know, except for stupid stuff that I do, like falling down with dogs or having a wave hit my leg and break it at the start of a race. I mean, I'm healthy and my metrics are really good. And I know it's because of the way that I eat on a daily basis. It makes a, it makes a huge difference on how everybody feels. It is right now because my training, I mean, I don't do anything. That's how you're eating pretty much every day. I haven't done anything over two and a half, maybe closer to three hours of a bike ride, but that was not a high intensity bike ride. Otherwise things are in the neighborhood for bike rides of two hours to two thirty. Um running, nothing longer than half marathon distance right now, just to go out for a zone two fairly easy run. Anything shorter with intervals. Um I don't need to take extra calories. I can run up to two hours without having to consume any sport nutrition because I'm fat adapted and, and I don't drop off. I don't lose my pace. I don't bonk um, as long as I have water and electrolytes. So I'm a 66 year old woman and if I can do it, anybody can do it. It makes that it, it, the way we eat really makes that big a difference. No, thank you. Wow, that's an inspiration right there. Um, so, I mean, how often are you indulging in um, okay, um, like a good sandwich or a couple glasses wine, of wine or some ice cream? I, in April, like which was kind of my moping period because of so many races, you know, going away and a lot. I just felt like my, my world was shrinking with races being canceled did more zoom happy hours than um that was advisable i'll put it that way i mean i was i wasn't drinking every day but i was probably having some wine three to four times a week and um i i'm what my brother always called um a cheap date meaning that two glasses of wine and it's like okay i'm done i gotta go to bed now so (laughs) so i don't have a whole lot of tolerance and um so i've cut back on that it's, it's, I don't like waking up and having just that little bit of, you know, little wee headache kind of thing. So maybe, 
No. So at this point, maybe a couple times a week, um, I have a standing happy hour on Friday with um, close girlfriends from Madison, and I tend to have a glass of wine. And then I have a happy hour with teammates from Big Sexy Racing. And sometimes I'll have some wine, sometimes not. You know, um, ice cream, I'm not an ice cream fan. Um, I'm one of those lucky people. I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, I, I prefer salty. If I'm going to mm. go for a treat, um, I want something salty. Now, that's not to say that I don't occasionally okay. have ice cream, and there is some out there that's lactose-free, um, because I do have a little bit of a problem with lactose. Yeah. It, it does give me um, a pretty good stomach ache. So every once in a while, if somebody, if before all of this, if somebody had a dessert or, or a treat with some ice cream, I, yeah. I definitely would take some. And, and, and now it's nice. There are some ice creams out there that are much lower in sugar. As a matter of fact, I just found a recipe for a, a keto ice cream. And so I'm going to try making that and see if it's palatable. If it is, then I'm going to post it on, on my, uh, my work page. So ice cream is not an issue. Um, if I eat a sandwich, I love almond flour bread and there's a particular, um, brand. I don't know if that's verbatim, but, um, I buy it at Whole Foods and it's made with almond flour. So it doesn't have any grains. So you're going to eat carbohydrates but it's not carbohydrates that spike your blood sugar. And I have no problem with those carbohydrates. I have a daily goal as far as my carbohydrate intake. And I'm always pretty much right in that ballpark. So my, my favorite um, sandwich, if you will, and I have it in the mornings a lot after my workout for recovery, is I'll cut a piece of, off a baguette of my almond flour bread. And I'll use either cream cheese or um, I have right now some basil goat cheese from the local farmer's market, which is heavenly. And then some, some smoked salmon and a half of avocado. And that's my, that's my breakfast. And it's a breakfast mm. sandwich and it's fabulous. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what about like traveling yes, around it the can, road? It certainly can um, be. Um, how do you, I'm, how do you manage your diet then? I'm not that person kind of that looks people. at a menu and, you know, wants 15 changes to an item on the menu. I don't do that, but I will ask for, again, I start with my protein. So if I'm going to get a piece of chicken or fish or a piece of steak or something like that, I just want it plain. I don't, unless they have pure butter that I put a little butter on or something like that. So I always start with my protein and then do they have cooked vegetables and a salad? And that's pretty much what I do. If I'm traveling because it's for a race, then um, I have been known to take okay. a sweet potato to a restaurant and ask if they'll nuke it for me. Oh yeah. Or else I, I will take cooked sweet potatoes and just take it with me and eat that as part of the no dinner. Kidding. I mean, I have eaten a regular baked potato. Um, I'm not against that, but I would prefer a sweet potato because it's just, it's a better nutrition load. And, um, and I just like a sweet potato better than a plain potato, but I have been known to do that. But I mean, if depending, if I'm traveling overseas, I'm certainly not carrying food like that. But for any time that I do travel, if I'm in the car, 
I have a cooler filled with what I want as far as my snacks and food that I've made for lunches or whatever. And if I'm traveling by plane, then my carry-on is generally 90% of what's in the carry-on is food. Yep. Uh, Jerky, hard-boiled eggs, cheese. Mm, You know, I've I've been known to potatoes, nuts. Um, yeah, I have a smorgasbord and my suitcase and I've had TSA agents just look at it and give me the eye. Like, why do you have all this food? I just look at him and say, I have a medical condition. I have to have my own food. I, I, I don't go into what my medical condition is, you know, looniness, but, but I need my own food. And they always just look at me and say, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, probably four days a week or so, you'd be pretty proud of my diet. Well, I think that's you'd probably raise your eyebrows. I mean, you know what you need to do, (laughs) you know, to kind of hang in there and, you know, climb a 14 or, and go out and run the trails. So I, I'm not so worried about you, Adam. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, what else is on your yeah, bucket list? Do you um, have any aspirations seven for sisters, as far as I know, international races or um, there is the seven sisters? No woman older than 60 who's done a marathon on all seven continents and done the seven sisters. But like I, like I say, I don't know that that Everest is something that I would want to tackle, but I'm strong and I'm healthy. Um, and these are things to do when you're strong and you're healthy. Um, so, so as I mentioned before, the seven sisters are out there. Um, I, mm-hmm. I have crossed the finish line of six full Ironman races. And there's always been stupid shit that happens. And, I mean, that happens in any race. But I seem to raise the bar on stupid shit happening. So I just... I still thinking I want to do one more full distance Ironman and have that race that I feel I'm capable of racing. So that would be in the next year or two. Um, if I do that, um, I would like to do more international half Ironman races. Mm -hmm. I can't do a half Ironman on seven continents because there isn't anything on Antarctica, but I certainly can on six continents. So, I mean, I've been to Africa, I've done Europe, North America, and I've done a half Ironman in Australia. So I'm doing pretty good on that goal. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always looking, you know, for new, for new adventures. Um, (laughs) A 50 miler is a possibility, but, but um, I, I don't know. I have to, I have to contemplate that one. But certainly have talked about it. Um, My friend Jeannie, um, who has really embraced ultra running and has done really well at it, she would love to do a a 50-miler. We'd love to do one together. So, you know, maybe getting back into the trail running and and starting with a 50K. I'd like to do Grayson Highlands 50K. Um, cause they have the, the wild ponies on the course, which I think would be totally cool. 
and that's just right in Virginia. So, I mean, I could get up there and, and, and train on the course. So, so those things are out there. I mean, this, this time of enforced not racing gives me the opportunity to contemplate some of those things. It isn't. It is never too late. You're never too old, and it's never too late. Yeah. It's never too late, right? There you go. Oh, good. What is, uh, what's some of your best you know, uh, memories from the experience of going to some of with, these locations is, um, those memories are priceless. But just like you mentioned, why we race, you know, it's the camaraderie, it's the people. My, I mean, with my brother's death, the trajectory of my life changed. I became an athlete first and foremost and never considered myself one. I became um, an endurance athlete and I embraced a change in my profession to sport nutrition and then the jump to coaching. And, and so, um, it has enriched my life in so many ways because I've met people all over the world through different groups I'm involved with. So I'm not exaggerating to say that I could travel to many different places all over the world and be able to connect with somebody and, you know, probably have somebody to go out and train with, to go for a run or if I have my bike with me, go for a bike or a swim or something like that. And for so many people, I mean, I saw a statistic not long ago of the number of people that never travel outside their state here. And I, I can't quite conceive of that. So, I mean, so many races just <laughs> have been so magical wow. yeah. for so many reasons. But when, when you come right down to it, yeah. It's the people that I've met and the connections that I've made have enriched my life, you know, and for a girl who grew up in Red Granite, Wisconsin, I think is pretty amazing. Really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm blessed. I, I firmly um, and truly believe it that, oh, um, that what I embraced, you know, 20 years ago now, basically, um, has has been nothing but positive nothing but positive i mean i met you that's how i met you essentially yeah 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 one thing i'm curious about and uh this is uh this is just like a side note to our conversation since we uh, ah, worked at All Season Runner together, um, we were very my into, main shoe uh, is, um, is a Hoka. At the time. Oney, I'm curious Oney. what shoes you're wearing these days when you're running. Oh, don't say it that way. I I experimented. You know, I was a Newton. Oh, you sold your soul uh, to the Hoka. Oh yeah, I I love Newtons. <laughs> I was I got to try them when they hit the country. I was a beta. I remember I was at a triathlon camp and I got to try them. They were in bags and they dumped them out. Danny Abshire dumped it on the floor. He's like, Hey, you guys, we want you to try these. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, okay, we have five metatarsal heads, but your shoes only have four lugs. 
that that doesn't seem to make sense. But that said, those four lugs, because I have a very small foot and I have a very narrow foot, those right. lugs hit my foot perfectly. <laughs> and from that day on, as soon as I got my first pair of Newtons, that's all I wore. And I'm wanting to say it was about two years ago. Maybe I, I might be a little off on the date, but Newton changed the design of the shoe from four lugs to five lugs. And I thought, oh. Well, that makes sense. That's what I, you know, had thought of long ago. But the five lugs don't hit my metatarsal heads correctly. And literally, I could only run five miles in the shoe before my feet would start to ache badly underneath my mat heads. I just couldn't do any distance in the shoes. So I was heartbroken because I had all these great shoes. So, but... Their trail shoes are still four lug. So for trails, I wear Newton. Okay. And the Hoka's, I've experimented. I have a pair of Nikes that are very lightweight. I can't tell you the mo- the, okay. the model, yep. but they're a very lightweight Nike. And I alternate with that shoe. But the, <coughs> excuse me, the Hoka that I've got is the one that's got the carbon plate in it. And... Um, I like the feeling of that shoe. The other, the other Hoka's I tried, and it was like okay. I can't do it. I, they felt orthopedic. I felt like I was too high up off the ground. Um, yeah. And even though I didn't like the look of it, the feel of it just didn't, didn't mesh. But when this <laughs> one came out, it's very lightweight, and it doesn't have that, that big built-up sole. So that one is a comfortable shoe for distance, and then I have um, a Solomon neck, yep. which is a, a swim run shoe. And I use that for swim run, which I've embraced that. And I've done that with my friend Jeannie, the ultra runner. And um, talk about fun. Holy cow. You, we did okay. swim run last summer up in um, Costco Bay in Maine. And we were running on the beach, running on trails, swimming in some ungodly cold water and and it was a great vibe the the people participating it's a trail running vibe is what you get but there are a lot of endurance athletes <laughs> ironman athletes that are doing it because they're just tired of the ironman shtick and they want something different so the people were great oh my goodness so much fun there's two of them here in north carolina and if the race happens she and i are talking about going in down and doing the one in austin which is in october if it happens yeah do you okay okay very cool yeah, I do like the Hoka's myself. I they're 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 all a little bit okay. different, and I don't like them all. But um, you know, and if I'm running really technical trails, uh, I usually run on a La Sportiva yeah. these days. Remember back in the day, in our in, in our day when we were working in the stores, the La Sportivas just sucked. They were just horrible when you you got stuck out in like uh-huh. rainy weather with slippery conditions, especially like technical terrain i just remember falling all over the place but now they got this really sticky bottom it's just fantastic and so if i'm on technical terrain or out in the mountains i'm usually wearing a la sportiva but if i'm running roads or non-technical trails i'm usually in a hoka and um, 
Yeah, I, no, I <laughs> I'm giving you shit because I remember back in the day. Um, I don't remember who yeah, you were I screaming pro- at, but I, I just remember you screaming. Pro- They're ugly. I'm never wearing them. They're so ugly. Or something like that. I mean, they just some of them look so orthopedic. I can't get beyond the look of it. You know. <laughs> i know i know but they are comfortable i've been able to run through injuries with them and um yeah they're pretty fantastic and there's a lot of mornings yep. i'll wake up and it's like uh, yeah exactly well I that's pretty funny run, you know you're but running then i think eh, too, if i, I put on a pair hilarious. of hokas and maybe some <laughs> headphones it makes it a little bit easier you know it does it truly does that's fun that's very fun <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it all comes full circle i've been so looking forward to this adam this has just been you know just quite a high point where it's been so good talking with you kitty it's hard to know what's happening from you know one day to the next that i was so happy that you reached out and and uh i definitely plan on getting out to colorado as soon as i'm able to get out there with the current situation and when i do we're gonna we're gonna hit the mountains adam Okay, cool, very cool. Look forward to it. Look me up. Uh, you you tell me what you want, and I can make it happen. It'd be a blast. I'd love to do it. Yeah, it's been a big inspiration to me, yeah. and I'm glad you're still. Uh, That's very still kind out of there you doing to say. It. It's, I, I appreciate it's super inspiring it to me, it's, and I know you've inspired you know, a lot I mean, of other people over the years too. So we're hoping to doing what you're to, doing. to leave a mark and have it be a positive one. So. That uh, that just energizes and and makes me happy. Um, I have a Facebook page that's Health Coach Kitty, and my email address is. Where can people find you with uh, your coaching? Yeah, if someone's got a question, they can reach reach out and ask a question. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Cool. I'm writing that down right now. Yep. Cool. So, well, 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 thanks again, Kitty. This is it's always been it. good. We only kind of bump into each other every All couple right. years or so, but when we do, it's, it's always fun. All right. Take yeah. care, my friend. Bye. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much. One more. What did you guys think? I mean, come on. How can you not love Kitty? she a badass or what? You can find Kitty at Health Coach Kitty on Facebook, or you can email her any questions at healthcoachkitty at gmail.com. If you'd like to contact me, hit me up. You can find me at big-things-crewing.com. Let me know what you thought. I'd love to hear from you. With that, hope you guys have a good week. I'll see you on the trails. Do big things.